part one chapter three section one of under western eyes by joseph conrad this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter three section one approaching this part of mr razumov's story my mind the decent mind of an old teacher of languages feels more and more the difficulty of the task the task is not in truth the writing in the narrative form a precy of a strange human document but the rendering i perceive it now clearly of the moral conditions ruling over a large portion of this earth's surface conditions not easily to be understood much less discovered in the limits of a story till some key word is found a word that could stand at the back of all the words covering the pages a word which if not truth itself may perchance hold truth enough to help the moral discovery which should be the object of every tale i turn over for the hundredth time the leaves of mr razumov's record i lay it aside i take up the pen and the pen being ready for its office of setting down black on white i hesitate for the word that persists in creeping under its point is no other word than cynicism for that is the mark of russian autocracy and of russian revolt in its pride of numbers and its strange pretensions of sanctity and in the secret readiness to abase itself in suffering the spirit of russia is a spirit of cynicism it informs the declarations of her statesmen the theories of her revolutionists and the mystic vaticinations of prophets to the point of making freedom look like a form of debauch and the christian virtues themselves appear actually indecent but i must apologize for the digression it proceeds from the consideration of the course taken by the story of mr razumov after his conservative convictions diluted in a vague liberalism natural to the ardour of his age had become crystallized by the shock of his contact with haldin razumov woke up for the tenth time perhaps with a heavy shiver seeing the light of day in his window he resisted the inclination to lay himself down again he did not remember anything but he did not think it strange to find himself on the sofa in his cloak and chilled to the bone the light coming through the window seemed strangely cheerless containing no promise as the light of each new day should for a young man it was the awakening of a man mortally ill or of a man ninety years old he looked at the lamp which had burnt itself out it stood there the extinguished beacon of his labours a cold object of brass and porcelain amongst the scattered pages of his notes and small piles of books a mere litter of blackened paper dead matter without significance or interest he got on his feet and divesting himself of his cloak hung it on the peg going through all the motions mechanically an incredible dullness a ditch-water stagnation was sensible to his perceptions as though life had withdrawn itself from all things and even from his own thoughts there was not a sound in the house turning away from the peg he thought in that same lifeless manner that it must be very early yet but when he looked at the watch on his table he saw both hands arrested at twelve o'clock ah yes he mumbled to himself and as if beginning to get roused a little he took a survey of his room the paper stabbed to the wall arrested his attention he eyed it from the distance without approval or perplexity but when he heard the servant girl beginning to bustle about in the outer room with the samovar for his morning tea he walked up to it and took it down with an air of profound indifference while doing this he glanced down at the bed on which he had not slept that night the hollow in the pillow made by the weight of haldin's head was very noticeable even his anger at this sign of the man's passage was dull he did not try to nurse it into life 
he did nothing all that day he neglected even to brush his hair the idea of going out never occurred to him and if he did not start a connected train of thought it was not because he was unable to think it was because he was not interested enough he yawned frequently he drank large quantities of tea he walked about aimlessly and when he sat down he did not budge for a long time he spent some time drumming on the window with his fingertips quietly in his listless wanderings round about the table he caught sight of his own face in the looking-glass and that arrested him the eyes which returned his stare were the most unhappy eyes he had ever seen and this was the first thing which disturbed the mental stagnation of that day he was not affected personally he merely thought that life without happiness is impossible what was happiness he yawned and went on shuffling about and about between the walls of his room looking forward was happiness that's all nothing more to look forward to the gratification of some desire to the gratification of some passion love ambition hate hate too indubitably love and hate and to escape the dangers of existence to live without fear was also happiness there was nothing else absence of fear looking forward oh the miserable lot of humanity he exclaimed mentally and added at once in his thought i ought to be happy enough as far as that goes but he was not excited by that assurance on the contrary he yawned again as he had been yawning all day he was mildly surprised to discover himself being overtaken by night the room grew dark swiftly though time had seemed to stand still how was it that he had not noticed the passing of that day of course it was the watch being stopped he did not light his lamp but went over to the bed and threw himself on it without any hesitation lying on his back he put his hands under his head and stared upward after a moment he thought i am lying here like that man i wonder if he slept while i was struggling with the blizzard in the streets no he did not sleep but why should i not sleep and he felt the silence of the night press upon all his limbs like a weight in the calm of the hard frost outside the clear-cut strokes of the town clock counting off midnight penetrated the quietness of his suspended animation again he began to think it was twenty-four hours since that man left his room razumov had a distinct feeling that holden in the fortress was sleeping that night it was a certitude which made him angry because he did not want to think of holden but he justified it to himself by physiological and psychological reasons the fellow had hardly slept for weeks on his own confession and now every incertitude was at an end for him no doubt he was looking forward to the consummation of his martyrdom a man who resigns himself to kill need not go very far for resignation to die holden slept perhaps more soundly than general t whose task weary work too was not done and over whose head hung the sword of revolutionary vengeance razumov remembering the thick-set man with his heavy jowl resting on the collar of his uniform the champion of autocracy who had let no sign of surprise incredulity or joy escape him but whose goggle eyes could express a mortal hatred of all rebellion razumov moved uneasily on the bed he suspected me he thought i suppose he must suspect everybody he would be capable of suspecting his own wife if holden had gone to her boudoir with his confession razumov sat up in anguish was he to remain a political suspect all his days was he to go through life as a man not wholly to be trusted with a bad secret police note tacked on to his record what sort of future could he look forward to i am now a suspect he thought again but the habit of reflection and that desire of safety 
of an ordered life which was so strong in him came to his assistance as the night wore on his quiet steady and laborious existence would vouch at length for his loyalty there were many permitted ways to serve one's country there was an activity that made for progress without being revolutionary the field of influence was great and infinitely varied once one had conquered a name his thought like a circling bird reverted after four-and-twenty hours to the silver medal and as it were poised itself there when the day broke he had not slept not for a moment but he got up not very tired and quite sufficiently self-possessed for all practical purposes he went out and attended three lectures in the morning but the work in the library was a mere dumb show of research he sat with many volumes open before him trying to make notes and extracts his new tranquillity was like a flimsy garment and seemed to float at the mercy of a casual word betrayal why the fellow had done all that was necessary to betray himself precious little had been needed to deceive him i have said no word to him that was not strictly true not one word razumov argued with himself once engaged on this line of thought there could be no question of doing useful work the same ideas went on passing through his mind and he pronounced mentally the same words over and over again he shut up all the books and rammed all his papers into his pocket with convulsive movements raging inwardly against holden as he was leaving the library a long bony student in a threadbare overcoat joined him stepping moodily by his side razumov answered his mumbled greeting without looking at him at all what does he want with me he thought with a strange dread of the unexpected which he tried to shake off lest it should fasten itself upon his life for good and all and the other muttering cautiously with downcast eyes supposed that his comrade had seen the news of de p s executioner that was the expression he used having been arrested the night before last i've been ill shut up in my rooms razumov mumbled through his teeth the tall student raising his shoulders shoved his hands deep into his pockets he had a hairless square tallowy chin which trembled slightly as he spoke and his nose nipped bright red by the sharp air looked like a false nose of painted cardboard between the sallow cheeks his whole appearance was stamped with the mark of cold and hunger he stalked deliberately at razumov's elbow with his eyes on the ground it's an official statement he continued in the same cautious mutter it may be a lie but there was somebody arrested between midnight and one in the morning on tuesday this is certain and talking rapidly under the cover of his downcast air he told razumov that this was known through an inferior government clerk employed at the central secretariat that man belonged to one of the revolutionary circles the same in fact i am affiliated to remarked the student they were crossing a wide quadrangle an infinite distress possessed razumov annihilated his energy and before his eyes everything appeared confused and as if evanescent he dared not leave the fellow there he may be affiliated to the police was the thought that passed through his mind who could tell but eyeing the miserable frost-nipped famine-struck figure of his companion he perceived the absurdity of his suspicion but i-you know-i don't belong to any circle i-he dared not say any more neither dared he mend his pace the other raising and setting down his lamentably shod feet with exact deliberation protested in a low tone that it was not necessary for everybody to belong to an organization the most valuable personalities remained outside some of the best work was done outside the organization 
then very fast with whispering feverish lips the man arrested in the street was haldin and accepting razumov's dismayed silence as natural enough he assured him that there was no mistake that government clerk was on night duty at the secretariat hearing a great noise of footsteps in the hall and aware that political prisoners were brought over sometimes at night from the fortress he opened the door of the room in which he was working suddenly before the gendarme on duty could push him back and slam the door in his face he had seen a prisoner being partly carried partly dragged along the hall by a lot of policemen he was being used very brutally and the clerk had recognized haldin perfectly less than half an hour afterwards general t arrived at the secretariat to examine that prisoner personally aren't you astonished concluded the gaunt student no said razumov roughly and at once regretted his answer everybody supposed haldin was in the provinces with his people didn't you the student turned his big hollow eyes upon razumov who said unguardedly his people are abroad he could have bitten his tongue out with vexation the student pronounced in a tone of profound meaning so you alone were aware and stopped they have sworn my ruin thought razumov have you spoken of this to anyone else he asked with bitter curiosity the other shook his head no only to you our circle thought that as holden had been often heard expressing a warm appreciation of your character razumov could not restrain a gesture of angry despair which the other must have misunderstood in some way because he ceased speaking and turned away his black lack-lustre eyes they moved side by side in silence then the gaunt student began to whisper again with averted gaze as we have at present no one affiliated inside the fortress so as to make it possible to furnish him with a packet of poison we have considered already some sort of retaliatory action to follow very soon razumov trudging on interrupted were you acquainted with haldin did he know where you live i had the happiness to hear him speak twice his companion answered in the feverish whisper contrasting with the gloomy apathy of his face and bearing he did not know where i live i am lodging poorly with an artisan family i have just a corner in a room it is not very practicable to see me there but if you should need me for anything i am ready razumov trembled with rage and fear he was beside himself but kept his voice low you are not to come near me you are not to speak to me never address a single word to me i forbid you very well said the other submissively showing no surprise whatever at this abrupt prohibition you don't wish for secret reasons perfectly i understand he edged away at once not looking up even and razumov saw his gaunt shabby famine-stricken figure cross the street obliquely with lowered head and that peculiar exact motion of the feet he watched him as one would watch a vision out of a nightmare then he continued on his way trying not to think on his landing the landlady seemed to be waiting for him she was a short thick shapeless woman with a large yellow face wrapped up everlastingly in a black woolen shawl when she saw him come up the last flight of stairs she flung both her arms up excitedly then clasped her hands before her face kirylo sidorovitch little father what have you been doing and such a quiet young man too the police are just gone this moment after searching your rooms razumov gazed down at her with silent scrutinizing attention her puffy yellow countenance was working with emotion she screwed up her eyes at him entreatingly such a sensible young man anybody can see you are sensible and now like this all at once what is the good of mixing yourself up with these nihilists do give over little father they are unlucky people 
razumov moved his shoulders slightly or is it that some secret enemy has been calumniating you kirylo sidorovitch the world is full of black hearts and false denunciations nowadays there is much fear about have you heard that i have been denounced by someone asked razumov without taking his eyes off her quivering face but she had not heard anything she had tried to find out by asking the police captain while his men were turning the room upside down the police captain of the district had known her for the last eleven years and was a humane person but he said to her on the landing looking very black and vexed my good woman do not ask questions i don't know anything myself the order comes from higher quarters and indeed there had appeared shortly after the arrival of the policeman of the district a very superior gentleman in a fur coat and a shiny hat who sat down in the room and looked through all the papers himself he came alone and went away by himself taking nothing with him she had been trying to put things straight a little since they left razumov turned away brusquely and entered his rooms all his books had been shaken and thrown on the floor his landlady followed him and stooping painfully began to pick them up into her apron his papers and notes which were kept always neatly sorted they all related to his studies had been shuffled up and heaped together into a ragged pile in the middle of the table this disorder affected him profoundly unreasonably he sat down and stared he had a distinct sensation of his very existence being undermined in some mysterious manner of his moral supports falling away from him one by one he even experienced a slight physical giddiness and made a movement as if to reach for something to steady himself with the old woman rising to her feet with a low groan shot all the books she had collected in her apron on to the sofa and left the room muttering and sighing it was only then that he noticed that the sheet of paper which for one night had remained stabbed to the wall above his empty bed was lying on top of the pile when he had taken it down the day before he had folded it in four absent-mindedly before dropping it on the table and now he saw it lying uppermost spread out smoothed out even and covering all the confused pile of pages the record of his intellectual life for the last three years it had not been flung there it had been placed there smoothed out too he guessed in that an intention of profound meaning or perhaps some inexplicable mockery he sat staring at the piece of paper till his eyes began to smart he did not attempt to put his papers in order either that evening or the next day which he spent at home in a state of peculiar irresolution this irresolution bore upon the question whether he should continue to live neither more nor less but its nature was very far removed from the hesitation of a man contemplating suicide the idea of laying violent hands upon his body did not occur to razumov the unrelated organism bearing that label walking breathing wearing these clothes was of no importance to anyone unless maybe to the landlady the true razumov had his being in the willed in the determined future in that future menaced by the lawlessness of autocracy for autocracy knows no law and the lawlessness of revolution the feeling that his moral personality was at the mercy of these lawless forces was so strong that he asked himself seriously if it were worth while to go on accomplishing the mental functions of that existence which seemed no longer his own what is the good of exerting my intelligence of pursuing the systematic development of my faculties and all my plans of work he asked himself i want to guide my conduct by reasonable convictions but what security have i against something some destructive horror walking in upon me as i sit here razumov looked apprehensively towards the door of the outer room 
as if expecting some shape of evil to turn the handle and appear before him silently a common thief he said to himself finds more guarantees in the law he is breaking and even a brute like zemianitch has his consolation razumov envied the materialism of the thief and the passion of the incorrigible lover the consequences of their actions were always clear and their lives remained their own but he slept as soundly that night as though he had been consoling himself in the manner of zemianitch he dropped off suddenly lay like a log remembered no dream on waking but it was as if his soul had gone out in the night to gather the flowers of wrathful wisdom he got up in a mood of grim determination and as if with a new knowledge of his own nature he looked mockingly on the heap of papers on his table and left his room to attend the lectures muttering to himself we shall see he was in no humour to talk to anybody or hear himself questioned as to his absence from lectures the day before but it was difficult to repulse rudely a very good comrade with a smooth pink face and fair hair bearing the nickname amongst his fellow-students of madcap kostya he was the idolised only son of a very wealthy and illiterate government contractor and attended the lectures only during the periodical fits of contrition following upon tearful paternal remonstrances noisily blundering like a retriever puppy his elated voice and great gestures filled the bare academy corridors with the joy of thoughtless animal life provoking indulgent smiles at a great distance his usual discourse is treated of trotting horses wine parties in expensive restaurants and the merits of persons of easy virtue with a disarming artlessness of outlook he pounced upon razumov about midday somewhat less uproariously than his habit was and led him aside just a moment kirylo sidorovitch a few words here in this quiet corner he felt razumov's reluctance and insinuated his hand under his arm caressingly no pray do i don't want to talk to you about any of my silly scrapes what are my scrapes absolutely nothing mere childishness the other night i flung a fellow out of a certain place where i was having a fairly good time a tyrannical little beast of a quill driver from the treasury department he was bullying the people of the house i rebuked him you were not behaving humanely to god's creatures that are a jolly sight more estimable than yourself i said i can't bear to see any tyranny kirylo sidorovitch upon my word i can't he didn't take it in good part at all who's that impudent puppy he begins to shout i was in excellent form as it happened and he went through the closed window very suddenly he flew quite a long way into the yard i raged like like a minotaur the women clung to me and screamed the fiddlers got under the table such fun my dad had to put his hand pretty deep into his pocket i can tell you he chuckled my dad is a very useful man jolly good thing it is for me too i do get into unholy scrapes his elation fell that was just it what was his life insignificant no good to anyone a mere festivity it would end some fine day in his getting his skull split with a champagne bottle in a drunken brawl at such times too when men were sacrificing themselves to ideas but he could never get any ideas into his head his head wasn't worth anything better than to be split by a champagne bottle razumov protesting that he had no time made an attempt to get away the other's tone changed to confidential earnestness for god's sake kirylo my dear soul let me make some sort of sacrifice it would not be a sacrifice really i have my rich dad behind me there's positively no getting to the bottom of his pocket and rejecting indignantly razumov's suggestion that this was drunken raving 
he offered to lend him some money to escape abroad with he could always get money from his dad he had only to say that he had lost it at cards or something of that sort and at the same time promised solemnly not to miss a single lecture for three months on end that would fetch the old man and he kostya was quite equal to the sacrifice though he really did not see what was the good for him to attend the lectures it was perfectly hopeless won't you let me be of some use he pleaded to the silent razumov who with his eyes on the ground and utterly unable to penetrate the real drift of the other's intention felt a strange reluctance to clear up the point what makes you think i want to go abroad he asked at last very quietly kostya lowered his voice you had the police in your rooms yesterday there are three or four of us who have heard of that never mind how we know it is sufficient that we do so we've been consulting together ah you got to know that so soon muttered razumov negligently yes we did and it struck us that a man like you what sort of a man do you take me to be razumov interrupted him a man of ideas and a man of action too but you are very deep kirillo there's no getting to the bottom of your mind not for fellows like me but we all agreed that you must be preserved for our country of that we have no doubt whatever i mean all of us who have heard holden speak of you on certain occasions a man doesn't get the police ransacking his rooms without there being some devilry hanging over his head and so if you think that it would be better for you to bolt at once razumov tore himself away and walked down the corridor leaving the other motionless with his mouth open but almost at once he returned and stood before the amazed kostya who shut his mouth slowly razumov looked him straight in the eyes before saying with marked deliberation and separating his words i thank you very much he went away again rapidly kostya recovering from his surprise at these manoeuvres ran up behind him pressingly no wait listen i really mean it it would be like giving your compassion to a starving fellow do you hear kirillo in any disguise you may think of that too i could procure from a costumier a jew i know let a fool be made serviceable according to his folly perhaps also a false beard or something of that kind may be needed razumov turned at bay there are no false beards needed in this business kostya you good-hearted lunatic you what do you know of my ideas my ideas may be poison to you the other began to shake his head in energetic protest what have you got to do with ideas some of them would make an end of your dad's money-bags leave off meddling with what you don't understand go back to your trotting horses and your girls and then you'll be sure at least of doing no harm to anybody and hardly any to yourself the enthusiastic youth was overcome by this disdain you're sending me back to my pig's trough kirillo that settles it i am an unlucky beast and i shall die like a beast too but mind it's your contempt that has done for me end of chapter three section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine